The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James is going to be focusing on the AL East today, prospects you need to know. But uh, first, I want to talk a little bit about our respective online championship leagues. I'm drafting tonight. I'm excited for it. Uh, my first non-slow draft of the season. I guess you'd just call that a regular draft. Just a draft. Just a draft. Um, but I drew the first pick, so I'm excited to actually have Ronald Acuna Jr. for the first time in a league with an overall contest. Did you see that he told Ozzy Albies this morning that he's going yep. for 50-50? 50-50. Love so to hear it. Got to update those projections accordingly. Look, some very smart people say it's crazy to bypass Mike Trout, but much as I love Trout on a per-game basis, those – Missed games over the last three years, really hard to ignore. Are people still saying that? Yep. I have, uh, I was telling you earlier, I actually, projections wise, I have Yelich a tiny bit ahead of Acuna and uh, Trout in third. Uh, so I, 
I think it's a close call at the top, but I don't think Trout's a part of that close call just because of the the speed and the missed games that you mentioned. Yeah, I know he went from, what, like 11 to 30 the last time he stole 11, but I just don't see why they'd want him running, you know, in front of Anthony Rendon and a better lineup, plus he's the best player in the game, so why risk an injury on the base paths? Uh, So, well, so, I mean, the the pick at the top is – you know, you know it's going to be a stud. It's going to be Acuna. How is that going to affect uh, sort of the the freedom you might have, kind of, for the rest of the draft? Well, I think a guy like that just opens up the rest of the draft completely. You don't have to go chasing speed. Uh, you could get an, an ace in the second round or second or third, two three turn. That's what I'm planning to do right now. Um, <clears throat> but really, that's what's so nice about picking in the top two or three is that it just open yourself up to so many possibilities. As the draft goes on, and you you'll be able to uh, maybe pull off the double tap. I know you're you're you're, uh, you're a double tap and closer guy this year. I love me a double tap. Um, we'll see. I, I really don't know what you know who will be there. In a twelve, it's just a little different. I've been doing some fifteens. I feel like a really good player will be there, uh, but I may have to force up a starting pitcher. We'll see. When is your beat James Anderson league? So we're recording this on Wednesday, and that is this is your night to draft, and it's the twelfth. Mine is the next Wednesday, so we can probably preview my draft slot on next week's pod. I'm sure it'll probably be filled up by then. So, uh, you know, week apart for both of our leagues. Excited about it. Uh, had a lot of fun with it last year. I need to need to improve on my my pitching staff this year last year my my offense was just ungodly but i i had just enough pitching points to to cash but was was kind of middle of the pack in most of the pitching categories so yeah like you said the 12 and 15 aspect is very different you know 15 it's a lot more um i think it's a lot easier to kind of attack things it's you sort of know exactly what you need to do with 12s it's just there's just so much talent every single round for the first uh, 10 to 12 rounds. You really have to cover your bases. Yeah, and the bar for what it takes to to have a good team is just raised, and you really can't blow any any of those top 10 to 15 picks at all. Um, yeah, I do you remember how you started last year's online championship? Because I went Yelich, Lindor to start, and that was great, but then I went Corbin Snell. Corbin was good, but Snell, um, you know, following him up after the breakout 2018, just uh, that, that was a big shot in the foot. Well, I remember texting you uh, right after this happened, and I totally, it, it was an actual mid draft error by me where I was uh, plugging in the rosters i i know some people don't like to plug in stuff as they go i i like to uh and i was i made a mistake and had to kind of scramble to to fix things as i was plugging stuff in and i was on the clock and i had a bunch of tabs open and this is like the first time this has ever happened to me but i i totally uh whiffed and and timed out and had the top guy i didn't didn't have my cue set it was like the third round and mm-hmm. i ended up with cory kluber uh fortunately the guy i wanted there was blake snell so it's not like i had a huge yeah. <clears throat> uh, gap in, in productivity there but i definitely did not want kluber and 
that was that was frustrating. I was kind of on tilt for for a couple of rounds after that, but was able to rally and, and still cash. Yeah, I remember that. Now that you say that, you had gotten coal with one of your earlier picks. Yeah, right? so. gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think I went coal and. Uh, just I, I, had, way, I had a ton of stud yeah. hitters. I'm sure I had just some really good hitter. I remember Cole. how mad at you at yourself you were. <laughs> uh, I told you don't beat yourself up. It happens. But that is actually kind of why I don't plug in for like a draft in an auction. You know, when things are a little bit slower paced, I will try to type in values for each team. But twelve team draft, it just goes a little too fast for me. Even on the app, where you can just swipe a guy, I tend to just try to focus and build up a queue so that I have a queue there. And I, if I do time out which God forbid that happens tonight, at least I'll get a player who I w- was in on anyway. So um, focusing more on building that queue. Big question for me tonight is going to be where to take Wander Franco. I'd kind of wish kind of wish Eric Neander just kept his, his mouth shut, but saying that Wander Franco is in their plans for 2020, maybe not until late, but the fact that the organization is – addressing this publicly and saying, yes, Wander Franco is in our plans for 2020. I expect that that draft cost to shoot up. So you would even take him in a 12? I, I'm trying to talk myself into not going any higher than like my third to last bench spot. But yeah, I'll probably take him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, I as of today, I would not take him any sooner than my last pick in a 12. But um it's we, definitely we jumping the gun and getting carried away. But at the same time, when you're in, I guess in a 12, it's a little different. But when you're in that range, it's like, why the hell not? I, a lot of those guys are going to be interchangeable. Yeah, I mean, the the guy that you would take with your third to last pick probably would be there with your, your last pick. Right, right. So we're going to be focusing on AL East prospects, uh, starting with the Orioles. Top 100-ish prospects, Adley Rutschman. Austin Hayes, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall. How does the organization and the farm system look beyond those top top names? It's not great. You know, the fact that they were able to add Adley Rutschman to the farm system boosts it up into kind of the lower middle tier just, just kind of by himself. But, um, yeah, I mean, after Hayes, Rodriguez, Hall, we're talking about some flawed hitting prospects like Ryan Mountcastle, Eusnail Diaz, uh, I like Adam Hall as kind of a sleeper. After those guys, it, it gets pretty ugly. Talking about like a 17-year-old pitching prospect inside their top 10, a an 18-year-old who has yet to come stateside hitting prospect at 10th overall in that system. I mean, it's it's pretty light, but uh, you know, I think this this new regime came in and the cupboard was really bare and. It's going to take a while for them to, to grow out this system. They're going to be picking high, I think, for, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I saw on Twitter yesterday, like, as the guys were arriving, a lot of people were like, who, who the hell are these players? I don't recognize anybody. Uh, so, yeah, not a lot of talent right now, but, you know, some some very intriguing names, and they'll be adding to the system in the years to come. Austin Hayes, you in on him for 2020 redraft? Not really, just because of the price. You know, you're not you're not getting him for free. I like. I would rather in a fifteen-team league. I'd rather get Jake Fraley for free with my last pick than Austin Hayes inside the top three hundred. And you know that's kind of where he's going. Uh, there, you know what he did last year in the big leagues was was really impressive. But still, a guy that's probably not going to get on base at a high clip. 
uh, not going to steal a ton of bases. Um, you know, I think he's just going to be kind of one of those solid uh, fifth outfield types, but you can get guys that are a bit more proven sort of in that same range, guys that we talked about on the XM show like Mark Canha, Shinsu Chu going kind of right in that same range. I think they're just much more safe. Yeah, I agree. And Hayes did finally have some big league success. That was good to see, but – um, those other names you mentioned, like that, that's not, he's not free. That's certainly not the case. Uh, if you were going a little bit later, yeah, I did get him in the first pitch Arizona draft, but looking back, there are probably some, some better options I could have taken. Um, Ryan Mountcastle has been getting some love for 2020 and long-term kind of a tough nut to crack though. What's what parts of Ryan Mountcastle's profile are, are so tough to evaluate? So he's a terrible defender who doesn't walk which would pretty much make it impossible for him to play every day on, on most teams. But he will play uh, probably every day on this team for a good chunk of 2020. Uh, but, you know, I think you'd be lucky to get an OBP north of, I don't know, 305. And so with the team context, I think the, the runs and the RBI will be lacking. Maybe he hits for a high enough average that that by itself – propels him into to positive territory but you know i think he he has to hit close to 300 for him to be a, a mixed league guy just given his deficiencies everywhere else yeah six three one ninety five, middle infield not really on the table right anymore. i mean it's it's like i mean i think they're going to play him a decent amount in left field just because they don't really care about how bad his defense is out there uh first base is an option he's not going to be good there dh is kind of preferable but he's probably not going to hit enough to be a dh so uh i think you could actually make a case he's more valuable in maybe not for 2020 but he might be more valuable in 2021 redraft leagues than he is in dynasty leagues because eventually he's just going to get phased out because he's not bringing enough to the table interesting and look at the walk rates too i mean he hit 25 homers at triple a last year but just a 4.3 percent walk rate 6.1 percent at double a the year before uh, 1.9, 3.7. Now that may not matter to you mo- uh, a ton if you're just in a batting average league, but that you know, if you're not getting on base, that hurts your chances for playing time in real life. So, um, yeah, add that to the the fact that he's a bad defender, and that's not not a great profile long term. Uh, let's move on to the Red Sox. They just added some prospects to the system. Bruce Dargraderall not being one of them. Um, Maybe they heard our our pod last week and they heard you say he has a terrible body for his age. Um, or was that on XM? Either way. Um, but they got Jeter down, so do you think they actually made out better after the reworked trade? Yeah, they, they made out a lot better. I, I think it's it's not a great look if you're Heim Bloom and you make your first big trade and then it's so bad that you have to sort of redo it publicly and yeah that's like the fantasy owner in your league who backs out after after he says like send the trade over that, oh, you that don't see shows, that in real life very it often. just shows you how little uh how much value they left on the table with the first mm-hmm. package that the dodgers were still like all right yeah we'll, we'll include jeter downs we still want this to happen uh jeter downs i think clearly the red sox top prospect both for fantasy and real life now uh i don't really think that's debatable i know some people do but i think he's a top 25 prospect overall for fantasy uh close to the majors this is just an awesome trade for his uh chances of getting a look when he's ready if he'd been in the dodgers system i still think he 
he would have eventually become a guy that was playing every day, even if it meant he was moving around, maybe playing a little bit out of position. But with the the Red Sox, he can slot right in as their second baseman of the future. He'll be up and playing every day for them as, as soon as he's ready. Maybe that's this summer. Maybe they, uh, you know, maybe he's not ready until August, and the Red Sox are kind of out of contention at that point, and maybe they play some service time games. But um, yeah, I mean, he's he's awesome. I, I love the power. I mean, he hits the ball so hard for a middle infielder his age. Uh, the speed. He's not like a seventy grade runner. He probably isn't even a sixty grade runner, but he's really good at stealing bases. Uh, so I think he's going to be a double digit steal guy. So a lot to like there. Uh, with Jeter Downs. Nice. Yeah, I'm still a little, you know, get a little bitter sometimes that the Reds don't have this guy anymore. But, and you've made this point before, and there's no lock that he would have progressed on the same path in that system. you got to give the Dodgers some credit for development and um, allowing him to flourish in that system. Uh, Jeter Downs now uh, the top prospect, right, in this system. Yep. And behind him, Tristan Cassis. Uh, only two games above A ball, low A, so... Uh, just barely advanced to, to high A last year. Not a 2020 option, but you're optimistic long-term that he could be a, an impact bat in fantasy. Yeah, for, for first base. I mean, first base is so shallow these days. I think he'll be mixed league relevant for sure. The The one thing I would caution against is don't get carried away with how you're valuing him. He could still be a strong side platoon guy only in the big leagues. I think the... Red Sox are going to do a lot of Rays type of stuff with how they use players, and all the smart teams are using this extra 26 or this extra roster spot to add another platoon bat, and I think that that's what the Red Sox will eventually do with that spot as well. So he's going to need to improve against lefties if he wants to play every day. Nice, and one guy you tab is underrated here in this Red Sox system, Thad Ward. What do you like so much about him? Just the the stuff and the upside, he's got a chance for three-plus pitches. Uh, the sliders, one of the best sliders in the minors. Uh, I think he's got you know pretty good size. Command needs some, needs some work, but he's far enough away that you know, I'd rather have a guy with his stuff and his ceiling where the command just needs to improve than kind of a let's hope he's a mid-rotation guy with, with good command. I mean, Thad Ward could be a number two starter if it all comes together. Kind of sleeper here in this system. I love this name, Brainer Bonacci. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. Uh, um, what a what a name. Yeah, Ian and I took him in uh, the later rounds of the RDI first year player draft. He had a really good uh, run in in the Dominican Summer League. Was one of the youngest players. He played the whole season. I think as a sixteen year old in the DSL, uh, and he he wore down as the season went on. He's not he's under six feet tall so not surprising the 16 year old kind of a, a slighter build would wear down but uh he's probably gonna stick at shortstop he's definitely got the arm for shortstop he's an above average runner who could get a little faster as he as he matures a little bit he he, he showed some some surprising pop uh, as a 16 year old in the dsl pretty good bat to ball skills so you know, just an up the middle player with with some impressive tools who is really really young. And if he hits this year when he comes stateside, I think his stock is going to increase. Nice. I must have missed that you and Ian got him in RDI. That first year player draft wrapping up in the past few days. Any other picks of yours that you really liked in in RDI? Uh, I loved uh, getting Corey Knable. 
Uh, I think oh, yeah, that, that was a sneaky one. Got him outside the top 50, I want to say. Got Ricky Venasco after him. Those are two of my... I love well. I love Corey Knable for for 2020. I think Josh Hader is incredibly overrated in redraft leagues right now, and then Ricky Venasco's probably my favorite sleeper on the pitching side in all of baseball. Nice, yeah. Those those words of warning on Hader are scary coming from a Brewers fan. Not in terms of performance and all the homers, but just about Knable coming back and the usage before Knable's injury. Uh, I, I grabbed Brenton Doyle, Doyle Rules. Um, old for the level last year, but, man, he absolutely raked. And Zach McKinstry, two guys who we talked about uh, as part of the NL West pod. So uh, thanks for the tips. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> I was also pumped to get Emmanuel Classe. Uh, Kevin Ginkle just says some flyers. And if I need to need to swap somebody out, um, just plug in a decent reliever, hopefully maybe – Vulture a win or some saves. Um, moving on to the Yankees, uh, Jason Dominguez. Man, there was a video making the rounds of him. Honestly, unbelievable physical specimen, Jason Dominguez. Uh, this guy's forearms are like Dan Uglo's forearms already at 16, 17 years old. But what are the... What are the warnings with Dominguez, if there are any? What do you see that could potentially become an issue down the road? Uh you know, when, when a guy signs as a 16-year-old, ideally there's some room for him to kind of grow into his body. You know, like you'd like someone to be uh, athletic, sort of lean, and then you can add 20, 25 pounds of muscle without compromising the baseball skills. Dominguez is already 5'10", 190, as you said. He, he's really built. Uh I've made the body comp of Russell Wilson on him just, you know, really physically mature for his age. And that's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, it's, it's part of why he's so impressive. It's part of why his bat speed's ridiculous and he's got monster power, uh, really impacts the baseball. But there's a chance that, you know, if, if you were to add even say like 15 more pounds in the coming years, he might lose some of that, that plus speed that makes him so appealing. So, um, you know, I feel confident enough in the bat and the power that he is a top 10 prospect for me, but, uh, there's a chance that, you know, mid twenties, he, he slows down a bit on the bases. Yeah. I think that's probably happened just looking at him. Like he's already so swole yeah. um, that it's hard to see him it, in like, yeah, t- eight ten years being a threat on the base and, and there's now it, it's just it's different for everyone like like maybe he's just already kind of had his maybe went through puberty like before all of his classmates and maybe he's uh not gonna add too much more and can can maintain that speed i mean you look at like mike trout i mean he's been a big boy uh for the past six seven years basically since he got into the league and and he was still a big time threat on the bases uh, despite all that size, I mean, I comped him to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson obviously still knows how to use his feet as a big guy, so it doesn't necessarily mean that he just won't be a, a runner. But um, just something to keep in mind with him. It's not a lock that he's just this massive five category stud. Nice and Clark Schmidt, not really an option to replace James Paxton in that Yankees rotation. But do you expect Clark Schmidt to get a chance at some point this year? I think the Yankees are definitely going to be open to it. I think that they will move him as fast as 
his progress in the upper levels dictates. So uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to see if they send him to double A AA or triple A. You know, he only made, I think, a couple starts at double A. I think he could probably handle triple A out of the gate. So that will probably tell us. And, and maybe they send him to double A for just like four or five starts. Uh, but like how quickly he gets to triple A probably tells us sort of what track he's on. I could see him coming up in June or July if he just has sort of a, a perfect uh, run in the upper levels. But there's also a chance we, we don't even see him this year. Nice. And, yeah, behind Jason Dominguez, you got Clark Schmidt. But not a lot of ton of you know, a ton of big name prospects behind him. Uh, Luis Medina, you like Oswald Peraza, Josh Smith. Do you think that next wave of teenage prospects may be some of the the top prospects in the game by the time they uh, move further up the development ladder? Well, they have the tools to to be. Uh, you know, Kevin Alcantara, I think, is extremely overrated right now. I just I don't think. You can just assume that a six-six position player is going to hit enough to, to tap into his tools until he kind of shows some signs of, of doing that. But he's got a crazy high ceiling. Like it's just, is he going to hit enough? I mean, the, the power projections an easy plus. He's a plus runner. Uh, but we, I mean, can he hit? I think that's definitely still an open question. Alexander Vargas is an eighty runner who can play shortstop, and that's that's a lot of awesomeness right there but still tbd whether or not he's going to hit enough and and certainly tbd whether he's going to impact the ball at all or whether he'll just be kind of a zero power guy and that you know they've got a, a handful of other guys that are 16 17 18 in this system who have very high ceilings but maybe the production hasn't necessarily matched the pedigree or maybe they just have done it in the dominican summer league and we're kind of you know, wondering what they're going to really show when they come stateside. So just a, a lot of interesting pieces in the lower levels of this system. It's an incredibly deep system with a ton of upside in those lower levels. But, uh, you know, we realistically only a couple of these guys are going to pan out. Yeah, not a prospect anymore, but I'm curious. Um, are you interested at all in Clint Frazier anymore? Or are you just hands off? You wiping your hands of Clint Frazier? Uh, I'm definitely hands off. As long as he's in the Yankee system, I just don't see him ever getting a fair shake to play with them because of how bad he is defensively and because of how much depth they have. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're going to have a hard time. Like a guy like Mike Talkman, who had a really good year last year, and especially in, in the field, was, was a really good defender. You know, he's probably at best their fourth outfielder when they're at full strength. And. Uh, you know, obviously they brought Brett Gardner back, so I just I don't see them ever really giving Frazier much time this year. They're just too deep. If he was on the the Tigers or the Royals or something like that, I think he would become fantasy relevant because you know, he's got power, he's got a little bit of speed, but I don't think he's just this superstar who's blocked. You know, I think that though that ship has kind of sailed. I think the hope is that he can just be kind of a a mediocre real life player who provides some fantasy value. Interesting. Yeah. I, there's also that issue with him, like not reporting for a few days after getting sent down last year. Um, I'm surprised that they've been so adamant about holding on to him. <laughs> They're not. Well, I mean, they, why don't I just move this guy? They would Give love, him a change of scenery. They would love to trade him. They'd love to trade Miguel and but other teams see the flaws too, and they don't want to trade those guys for nothing. Interesting. Well, I mean, with the Yankees losing Paxton, You'd think there'd be a swap somewhere for just a 
fourth, fifth well, starters. I guarantee that if the Tigers were willing to sell Matt Boyd for Andahar and Frazier, that deal would be done. Well, yeah. Well, you think the Yankees, just given the issues with Frazier, would at least just maybe just want to get rid of him? But yeah, I guess you don't want to send him for pennies on the dollar. But at this point, a lot of that they, that shine is worn off. Yeah. For sure, but they they have so much talent already on their forty man roster. Like uh, even on the pitching side, I know the depth behind Paxton, the the big league ready depth isn't all that exciting. But you know, once Domingo Herman comes back, uh, you know Clark Schmidt may be only two or three months away from being ready. Like it's not so pressing. Like they probably get to ninety eight plus wins without making any moves. So I, I think that they. They would definitely move Frazier in the right deal. I just think that around baseball, his value is just kind of cratered. Yeah, I think so. Well, we have a lot to talk about with the Rays. Before we get to them, a quick word from our sponsor, Fantrax. Sick of waiting for ESPN and Yahoo to open your league? Go play at Fantrax. Your league is open 365 days a year for full offseason trading and pickups. Looking to make a run this year? Trade those future draft picks up to six years in the future for the player that will take you over the top Looking to add that stud prospect you just heard about? Don't worry about having to hope he's in the player pool. With Fantrax, they have over 10,000 players in the pool. If they don't have him, they will add them for you. No more placeholders. Do you use contracts and salaries? No problem. Fantrax has you covered with the ability to track it all, including extension years. Sick of collecting money from your owners? Fantrax has you covered there with the Treasurer product. Pay your league dues on the site and let Fantrax distribute for you. All 100% free. Move your league today and reach out to at Fantrax on Twitter and get hooked up with a little bonus. Um, James, the Rays, we talked a little bit about Wander Franco. Anything to add with him and and that comment from Eric Neander? No, I I just think it's it's, uh, refreshing to hear front office speak that openly about it. And uh, it's a good sign. I mean, I think the the hype is only going to build in spring training. So I don't don't really think – I know maybe in the short term he he's no longer super under the radar for redraft leagues, but I don't think he was going to stay under the radar deep into March anyway. Nice. And behind Franco, Vidal Brujan. Um, obviously, Franco is kind of in a tier of his own, not only in the system, but really among all players, uh, prospect players. But Brujan, a good prospect in his own right, a fantasy impact guy down the road. Yeah, I think it's it's fascinating that the Rays now have Vidal Brujan, Xavier Edwards, and Greg Jones because they all kind of, in theory, do the same thing. They're all capable of playing second base, shortstop, center field. They all are just big-time speed threats, and they are guys who uh, – you know, Bruhan maybe less so, but Edwards and Jones definitely are guys who just kind of get the ball on the ground and use their speed to, to leg out singles and then steal bases from there. So the Rays clearly have a type with just let's get as many premium athletes as we can, uh, guys that are going to cause havoc on the base pass and in the field with their speed and then just see if they hit enough. And I think they're just sort of hoping that, you know, one or two of Bruhan, Edwards, or Jones sort of click and become uh, – really impactful big league players with their defense and their speed and they just they hit enough to make it work Uh, but on the flip side of that for fantasy it means that there's not going to be room for all three of them and there might not even be room like Bruhan's going to get to the big leagues before those guys 
but he might get to the big leagues as a utility guy and have to hit his way into a more prominent role because they're just so loaded at the big league level. There's not going to be a clear opening for him. Uh, Wander Franco is more ready to hit big league pitching than Vidal Brujan is, and Wander Franco is probably going to debut at second base, and they just traded for another center fielder, so it's, where's Brujan going to play? That's, <laughs> that's kind of the big concern. If he were to play every day, there's 30-plus steel speed there, and – you know, I think he could maybe be like an eight to ten homer guy, uh, but I mean, he he's so fun to watch. I mean, he just flies around the bases. The only thing I'm worried about is the playing time. When you get a chance to acquire Manny Margot, you, you take it. Um, <laughs> as the Rays showed, they lost a bunch of free uh, front office guys, but still certainly trust uh, in the Rays and their decision making. But that one did have me scratching my head a little bit. Uh, Brendan McKay, you feel strongly that the, the two way talk should be put to rest. Oh yeah, yeah. I, it's just uh, it's, it's not gonna silly. happen. It's silly. Like it's it's a cool kind of cool gimmick. Gimmick. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. I mean, he he could be a good hitting pitcher, but he's not a good enough hitter to, uh, you know, maybe if this was just a terrible team, they might mess around with it a little bit. Uh, but they're just so loaded that it would be foolish, especially like DH first base. Like they they have like four guys at every position <laughs> like there's there's no room for him and what about for you know on the pitching side for redraft i i feel like the adp i'm looking up what it is exactly i feel like i've been seeing him go a little too high for my liking 269 well it's it's dropped then in in recent weeks uh, his february adp is 293 interesting uh you know he's I, I don't know. I think he might be worthwhile, like around pick three hundred, because um, you know he's he's definitely still got at least number three starter upside. I'd like to see him use his whole arsenal this this next time around in the big leagues. He was really uh, primarily a two pitch guy in the majors last season, and I think that I don't think his stuff is good enough to to really lean that heavily on a couple pitches. I think he needs to mix and match a little bit more uh, to keep hitters off the fastball. But yeah, he's still a top fifty prospect. He's just he's not a guy that I see having front line upside. And given the way the Rays handle pitchers, it's not even a lock that he gets treated like a true like hundred eighty plus inning workhorse. You know they they might just have so much depth that he's more of like a 160 inning guy and you know, there's nothing wrong with that but there's pitching prospects who i think have better stuff and have a better chance to really get those bulk innings nice so like cease i know he's going higher on average you'd rather have than mckay but looking over some of the other names among pitchers in this range uh, the more i think about it, i could see it but i usually find myself going after like a posy or maybe mark canha who's gone just a few spots higher on average. But, yeah, the Aaron Savalis, um, Garrett Richards types. Yeah, I think I think McKay is a better case than a lot of those pitchers going there. I just find myself in that range typically catching up a little bit on offense. Um, Josh Lowe, the, the, you know, finishing off the trio of Lowe's and Lowe's here. Uh, Xavier Edwards, Shane McClanahan. I feel like McClanahan – Kind of an under the radar, not really among prospect people, but he does not get the hype. I feel like his numbers warrant. No, I, I think he's. 
I think he's even a little underrated in some prospect circles because the Rays just like I think Shane McClanahan's a better fantasy prospect than Shane Boz, and to me it's not even that close. But I think you'll see Boz go ahead of McClanahan in pretty much any kind of mock or, or draft uh, involving prospects. So I, I agree, he's he's undervalued. He has always sort of had this kind of reliever risk dating back to when he was an amateur. He's already had Tommy John surgery, but man, his stuff is, is nasty. He's got, he's really got frontline stuff. Uh, It's just a matter of whether the Rays want to take the time to really develop him as such and, and give him those opportunities. Um, you know, fastball can touch triple digits from the left side. He's got a, uh, plus curveball to go with that. The, the slider and changeup are, are improving pitches. He he can throw his pitches for strikes. There's just there's a lot to like there. But again, kind of like with McKay, there's there's risk that the Rays use him in a not so fantasy friendly role. Yeah, that's always the risk with this team. And your comments on Boz are really interesting because after the fall league, he was kind of the talk of the town, and he was touching triple digits, looking great. But you're a little skittish. Why is that? Well. Everything I said about worrying about how the the Rays are going to use McKay and McClanahan uh, applies to Boz, but kind of times two because his command is by far the worst of those three, and he's such a clear, like dominant two pitch guy where uh, he just go he can just go fastball slider and just be borderline unhittable even in like a two or three inning relief role. So I think that. They're going to give him a chance here this year and next year to to kind of improve the command, improve the other pitches, give him every every chance to kind of develop in the minor leagues as a starter. But if he hasn't fixed his weaknesses by the time he gets to like Triple A, I think that, that it's just going to be too tempting for them to set him loose as just a dynamite bullpenner. I always think it's interesting when like the you know the field is kind of carried away and over the moon with a guy, and you're kind of pumping the brakes because you're usually ahead of the ahead of the game when it comes to that so um i think this is an interesting case where maybe maybe pump the brakes a little bit with boz but uh sleepers here taj bradley seth johnson jose pena curtis mead anything you want to mention with those sleepers in this race system uh well just quickly on on bradley and johnson a uh, couple position players who got converted to the mound the Rays sort of have a thing for that and i i get it i mean i think um you know a lot of teams like to convert relief college relievers to starting pitchers uh which which i like and, and then it's even more impressive when you can take a guy who's been a position player for for most of his baseball career and and have success with him on the mound and those guys to me sort of have more upside than someone who's just been pitching their whole life because there's there's probably some untapped potential there. Bradley, Johnson, both trending up, both guys who could really make leaps on, on lists if they have big years this year. And one guy who had a somewhat quietly, I say that because we haven't talked about him much, uh, quietly a big year last year was Kevin Padlow. 21 homers, 12 steals, 50% better than league average at AA and AAA by WRC+. Um, you think he could be a 2020 guy. Where do you see the paths to playing time for Kevin Padlow? 2020 as in the year, not in the 
twenty yeah, steals. Right. Like yeah, yeah. 20 steals. I, I don't know if that needs to be said. I just for no, some that, reason when you yeah, said that yeah. I was just like, well, yeah, he's not gonna run. Twenty twenty guy, no, that's yeah. that's a good thing to clarify. Um twenty twenty is in the year. Yes, yes. Uh Padlow Um you know, that they're really deep, but third base is probably an area where they're they're not as deep as some of the other positions. Yandy Diaz probably gonna play a lot there, at least early in the season. But Padlow uh really dominated at double A AA and triple A last year. It used to be a very interesting prospect when he was in the lower levels of the Rockies system and then has kind of been flying under the under the radar the last uh, couple of years, but you know, fit better than fifty percent above league average at both stops. He's he's better in OBP leagues than he is in batting average leagues. There's always uh, a risk that the Rays are going to platoon someone, but Padlow is is basically, you know, he's even kind of free in some dynasty leagues. So, uh, just a guy to keep in mind. I mean, he's he's pretty much big league ready. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if and and they added him to the forty man roster. So. If something happens to Yandy Diaz, he missed time last year with injuries. Uh, Pad Logan play first base and uh, third base. So I think he's a guy that we could see early this season if injuries hit. You've been beating this drum, but mostly on XM because they want us talking like some over-unders and some gambling um, <laughs> stuff on that channel. You've been beating the drum that you got to take the over on this race team because really the depth just endless almost. Yeah, I, I think – I would take the Rays to win the most games in the American League if I had to just pick one team, and it's because of that just endless depth. Uh, probably the best forty-man roster in baseball. Uh, no weaknesses. They they go after uh, guys that can really take advantage of a platoon. They go after excellent defenders. They have excellent defenders up the middle. They added another one in Manny Margot. Like they they go out and add these guys like Margot and Arazarena who to them it's just they're like short side platoon weapons because they're just so loaded whereas on other teams they'd, they'd be playing every day so there's just not really a weakness on this roster they had so much bullpen depth that they could trade Emilio Pagan and not really miss miss anything in that bullpen so uh yeah you should be banging the Rays over I until it gets to like 97 98 which it probably won't since it opened at what like 91 91 and a half yeah, yeah i would just i would just continue to hammer that yeah i'm trying to get some money into the hands of scott jenstead when he's yeah, in western Vegas. Union. yeah get him in a, a western union mail money. mail him a big fat envelope <laughs> full, of, full of 20s yeah i got right rightfully buried for <laughs> saying western union i don't know where that came from but it was weird um, let's move on to the Blue Jays, James. Nate Pearson, not the top prospect for you in the system. Who is it? Jordan Groshans, and that's because these are fantasy rankings, not real-life rankings. Uh, Groshans has just that, that prototypical third-base skill set where plus hit, plus power, really good athlete, probably chips in a little bit on the bases, could even get uh, 70 with the hit or the power maybe even both. I mean, he's just, he's really, really good. Uh, had kind of a lost season last year because he had a foot injury that just would not go away. Um, but he's not really getting discounted too much in dynasty leagues because what he has done when he's been healthy has been so impressive. So when you're talking about hitting prospects, that's that good. 
uh, for me to put a pitching prospect over him, the the pitching prospect has to just be really truly elite. And Pearson has you know a couple couple really good pitches, uh, but he doesn't have as well rounded of an arsenal as the pitchers I have ranked ahead of him on the top four hundred. And he's just he's a really risky guy, both in terms of how hard he throws. Uh, could certainly see him needing Tommy John surgery in the not so distant future. And he's got this sort of, you know, kind of this out of shape doughy body where uh, I wonder about how that's going to age and how it's going to affect his command. Um, Could that could also be a a factor in, in injuries for him. I hate the team context. I mean, probably, at best, this is going to be the fourth best team in this division for the foreseeable future. They're going to have to play a lot of really good teams in, in some uh, hitter-friendly ballparks. There's just there's enough with Pearson that, that kind of scares me off to the point that Groshans is ahead of him. And Arelvis Martinez, I mean, 17.8K percentage, only hit 275 with that, but, man, everything else looks fantastic. 352 on base. 549 slug, and that was an 18 year old, or was he 17 last year? Let 17. me see. Wow, sent straight yeah, turned to the 18 GCL in as a 17 year old. November, that's crazy. And when we when we were talking about all those names in the lower levels of the Yankee system, like they they've stress test, tested a lot of those guys and, and sent them straight to the GCL, and a lot of them have just kind of underwhelmed there. Uh, the Blue Jays did that with Martinez, and, and he definitely was up to the challenge. So uh, really impressive. I, I think it's to to me it's power over hit right now. Uh, it's pretty easy to to dream on thirty plus homers from him. Not a lot of speed. Def, right. Definitely not going to be much of a, a runner. He was signed, I think, initially as a shortstop. He's he's a third baseman. Uh, needs to use the whole field a little bit more, but. Uh, you know, really exciting player. Simeon Woods, Richardson, a guy who has been steadily creeping up the rankings. Um, among pitching prospects, do you have an idea of where he kind of slots in? Yeah. 19 I, years old. I can tell you that. Um, you know, he's one of my favorite of, of the top 30 or so pitching prospects. He's one of my favorite to watch pitch. Uh, just really goes after guys and has a full arsenal, uh, really good control. Uh, it's probably control over command right now, but um, really hard to see a flaw in, in Woods Richardson other than the fact that he's at least you know a year and a half away from the big leagues. I have him 20th among pitching prospects, but he's he's in this clump of guys with um, Edward Cabrera, Grayson Rodriguez, Josiah Gray, where they're all kind of interchangeable to me, but at worst, he's he's the 20th best pitching prospect in the game. He's made four stops as a pro, and you look at those FIP numbers, 207, 249, 253, 246. That's pretty crazy. Never a FIP over 253. Granted, it's low levels, but uh, he was part of the Marcus, uh, not Marcus Semien, but Marcus, uh, Marcus Stroman deal. Yeah. Um, do you think the Mets would like that one back? Uh... <laughs> I know they'd like the Kalenic one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think Brody probably needs to win in the short term, I would guess, to to keep that job. So Simeon Woods-Richardson probably wasn't going to help him, although maybe you could have used him to get a better piece than Stroman. Uh, I like Stroman a lot, so I, I'm not going to 
hate on that trade too much. I mean, Simeon Woods Richardson blows out his arm, needs Tommy John, and all of a sudden we're not really talking about it. So I, I think it's it's fine. I think people were panning it at the time. I think a lot of other teams were complaining to beat writers about how they didn't think the Blue Jays got enough for Stroman. So. That's interesting. Yeah, I do kind of remember that. I like Stroman too as like a real life, you know, I like him on Twitter and I like his workout videos that he posts, like balancing a glass of wine on his back, doing like crawls, bear crawls, whatever. Uh, seems like a cool guy, but for fantasy, the low, the low strikeouts just kind of steer me away generally. Uh, Alec Manoa, he's a big boy, top pick, uh, just outside the top 10 in last year's first-year player draft. What's the upside with Alec Manoa? Another guy with a really high ceiling. I mean, the, the Blue Jays have a ton of these guys where you can dream on number two starter or better, and he's 6'6", 260. Uh, that's, that's pushing it. You know, that we don't really see too many big league starters have success at that size, but... Sounds like you should be like a wrestler instead of <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously at that size, big fastball, uh, mid-90s fastball with a ton of run, hard slider that there's probably going to be another plus pitch. I'm going to have to improve the third pitch. And with a guy that's, that's this big, you know, last year at West Virginia was really the first time that he, he showed uh, a, a solid ability to throw strikes. And with guys this big, sometimes that command can just leave you. You know, I mean, so it, it really wouldn't be that shocking to me if he struggled uh, in that area this year or next year. But, I mean, he was really good after signing. He threw a lot of strikes in, in a brief uh, taste of pro baseball last year. So really high ceiling, long way away, pretty risky as far as college arms go. One guy here in this Toronto system you see is overrated, Miguel Geraldo. What do you see that uh, you don't particularly like? So he's a high pedigree J2 guy from a couple years ago. And he was drafted as a shortstop, but his body's just not great. Uh, Already kind of second base or third base probably fits best at third base because of a, a lack of agility, but... You know, I think by the time he gets to the big leagues, he might be like 5'11", 190, and that's not how I like my third baseman to be built. Uh, there's a chance that the bat is just going to be good enough to, to make make up for all this stuff, but he's really going to have to hit to, to pull this off. Any sleepers down the road for this, this Blue Jays team? Um, Yeah, so one guy, you know, if you're – in one of these first-year player drafts and you feel like all the upside is just getting pushed up the board and you're having a hard time walking away with position players you can really get excited about. Uh, Estevan Machado is a shortstop prospect who the Blue Jays signed on July 2 who's really got uh, a lot of flair, really quick bat, really quick twitch guy. Uh, The bat speed I think probably leads to at least above average power. Uh, it's a good athlete. I think he's going to chip in on the bases as well. Uh, so he's he kind of fits that mold of, of a J2 guy who could really blow up in, in year one, but probably isn't getting a ton of hype out there. So if you're just looking for a you know, big upside play late in a first-year player draft, I think Esteban Machado is, is a good name to, to roll with. Nice. Did he go in RDI? No. Interesting. I still have to add a prospect. Well, in. Yeah. yeah. I knew this would happen. I mean, I, I knew it. I oh, I know. Um, I actually, I can move Anthony K to a prospect spot and add an outfielder. Um, you can move Anthony K to a uh, waiver spot. 
<laughs> yeah, where is he on this list? I'm just now realizing that he's nowhere to be found. Um, where do I have him? Oh, well, so I didn't mention. I, I put an outline together. I mentioned him in the article. Obviously, I just think he right, is yeah. not very good. Not in the I Didn't really want to talk about him. He's he's ranked fifteenth in the system. Um, just you know, back end back end starter lefty. Nice, yeah. to say. Fair enough. I just have to you know. I have that flexibility where I could move him to a minor league spot, add an outfielder. I hate the idea of having a not having a reserve outfielder in a twenty team league. Yeah, that could get ugly, but hey, uh, we've got we've got Ian Desmond. If you want to trade for him, <laughs> hey, well, we'll see. I mean, it's not out of the question. Uh, but James, I wanted to just ask you before we sign off uh, if there's anything else on your mind. I do want to touch on this idea Paul Spore had for our hip hop well, talk. First of all, I I'm just really happy that you didn't ask me about all of the. Like really, all I want to do when we when we do media talking baseball is just talk about players and talk about their skills and how, uh, you know, which guys are good, which guys are bad, what guys need to work on, when guys are going to debut. There's just so much floating around on Twitter related to baseball. I feel this this off season that I just do not care at all about, and I'm just really glad that we get to. Stick to the players, stick to analyzing skills, and leave all that other nonsense to people on Twitter. Yeah, back to basics. One thing I've been doing that's good for my mental health is just putting the phone away when I get home. Nice. Um, put the effing phone away. It's good for my marriage, too. <laughs> really, I mean, it just pollutes your brain. And sometimes it's it's better to just get back to the basics. Um, but yeah, I mentioned Paul Spore texted us. We've been asking for requests, maybe some ideas for our hip hop, you know, end of show segment this year, and what an idea Paul had! He said y'all could draft a rap roster, kind of like fantasy over the season. Roster spots being East Coast, West Coast, Atlanta, Midwest, Dirty South, seventies, eighties, nineties, lyricist, etc. I love this idea. I'm already eyeing up a double tap of Dirty <laughs> South to start <laughs> to start, and I'm going to tell you, Trick Daddy's a, a top three or four round guy for me. Yeah. Uh... We're gonna have to set up this this Google Doc and and uh, figure out uh, how we want to necessarily play this out. Uh, we should have like scoring categories, <laughs> roster spots, and scoring categories. I like it. I like it. I think we need to we need to find a way to probably go, you know, at least fifteen spots deep. Um, it'd be cool to do a full twenty three man thing. I don't know if we'd be able to come up with that many categories. But um, and I love we, the ro- the roster flexibility a guy like Slick Rick provides. Slot him, you know, eighties, nineties, two thousands, East Coast. You want to put him, lyricist. I mean, that kind of flexibility is really underrated. Yeah, in the game. But we're gonna we're gonna. I think I think Paul came up with a winner. I think we're gonna find a way to to make this work. Uh, man, do you think it's would it be too optimistic to say we could get rolling on this next week? No, let's do it. All right. I got to think of who my first rounder is going to be. Who's going to? Well, somebody from the, the dirty. Probably. Well, and so, and you can't take groups. I'm you're going to. Yes, yes, of course. You can't take um, groups. Now, see, the the thing is, is like we both know exactly what each other likes. So, <laughs> it's a little cat and mouse I, game. You're not going to be able to help yourself. You're just going to be pounding the dirty south uh, in the early rounds of the draft. I might just like 
punt on it and then just take the leftovers at the end. <laughs> it's a deep but, position. But it's very the, deep. the fact that there's going to be categories like, you know, decades, lyricists, stuff like that, I have to be a little careful not to get sniped on all the quality options. So, yeah, there yeah. definitely will be some cat and mouse. Dirty South is like, you know, the shortstop position. Um, you can wait <laughs> you can if you wait. want. <laughs> a really good idea, Paul. We love that idea. Uh, looking forward to that. We look forward to talking to you all next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.